This is this Around is a- the League from UGASports.com. I'm Dane Young, joined by Brent Rollins and Jim Donnan. This is the show where we look around the SEC, talk about every game that's going on. There's five of them this week, the headline game. Coach Donnan, I'll start with you, Kentucky at Tennessee. And I know all eyes nationwide are already looking ahead to Tennessee, Georgia but maybe some things that people need to check out here with the Wildcats. Right now, Tennessee, a 12-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Kentucky. Yeah, my uh, advice is be leery of the Cats because uh, you got to be really careful when you got a young team that uh, even though they got some veteran players, but they haven't had the success that most nationally prominent teams have had here. And uh, – they're going to go against a team that's going to put them in a mixer here. I mean, uh, this is a perfect kind of team to play in a setup trap game uh, from the standpoint of Kentucky's got them where they want them. Uh, you know, all of a sudden their running game's going good. They had a big win at home. Uh, they've had a chance to get ready for these guys. Uh, I know Brent and I both have always liked several facets of Kentucky's team, but right now, this game, to me, is going to be close to a toss-up just because you're not going to get many uh, possessions if you're Tennessee. I mean, Kentucky's going to keep the ball away from you. And if all of a sudden they get a couple tip passes or a couple of uh, bad breaks, all of a sudden you're going to have to play in a tight-fit game. And that's what happened to them at Pitt. And they didn't react very good to it. So I'm a, I'm a big ball believer right now in a lot of things, but uh, – I think if if two teams are more set up for trap games in Georgia and uh, Tennessee, I don't know who they are because everybody's talking about that game and next week. And uh, I think Kentucky certainly brings a lot to the table, don't you, Brent? Hundred percent. I think if you like, you said it, trap game. If you looked up trap game definition, this game would be it. And it's not just like Kentucky off. Of, it's Kentucky off a of bye. It's the styles. It's everything that you can think about in terms of just what you would want the dynamics to be there. That's Will Love is calling right now. Yeah, I don't understand how I get those things in there, but I get them. <laughs> but like stylistically, and you know, Kentucky's defense hasn't allowed over 30 points since Tennessee last year. Tennessee's offense hasn't scored under 30 since playing Georgia last year. It's I will say the, the big, most interesting thing about this is when you look at PFS sort of overall team grade, which encompasses you know blocking and special teams and everything about it, look at Power 5 ranks. Tennessee is 34th in terms of overall team grade. It's an execution type grade as much as anything, and it encompasses everybody. You know, Tennessee, for the most part, they can be right with one deep shot, but maybe the pass blocking was bad. Who knows? Kentucky's actually 28th ahead of them. You know, in terms of overall team grade, and you've got, like Coach said, Chris Rod come, you know, sort of back, and and the running game's there. Kentucky's wide receivers against Tennessee's secondary. This is like instant. The Georgia game goes off, and I'm done writing. I am clicking and watching every play of this game. Yeah, I sent a text to a couple of my buddies at uh, ESPN, and I said. I know you guys are going to be ready to come down here for game day, but what happens if Tennessee loses? <laughs> and then the only answer was, I don't know. And I didn't ask them if Georgia is going to lose. Cause I think Tennessee's got a better chance of losing than Georgia does just because uh, of who they're going against. The matchup is just not 
a good matchup for Tennessee. Although Tennessee could get on fire and they get that crowd going and Kentucky could just wilt. I mean, that's that the point. I, I like Tennessee's team. Don't get me wrong. I'm around the league. I, I'm not a big ball believer yet, but uh, they worry me. I mean, they got a lot of weapons and they know what they're doing and put a lot of pressure on you. But th- this is the, the right kind of team to, to set Tennessee up for Georgia because Georgia's going to be through with their game and uh, can, and Tennessee's going to be in a long game of uh, hitting and physical. But I, I think when I say long game, what I want to really say is this game might not take but two hours because I, I tell you, Kentucky's going to try to keep the ball and milk that clock and use a 25-second clock, and it's just going to be like a wishbone team playing against you. You're going to only have like eight or nine possessions if you're Tennessee. So uh, I, I predict a low-scoring game with the balls probably coming out on top. Well, Coach, I, I think Kentucky's going to try to play in the mud, and they'll be successful some, but they were not able to do that against South Carolina. Now, I know they didn't have Levis, so if that's the case, that's just saying that Levis is that much of a difference maker that he can move the chains when they have to, because Kentucky couldn't do that against South Carolina. Yeah, I think that's uh, kind of fool's gold. I mean, I, I'm, we're going to talk about South Carolina later in the show, and I give them a lot of credit, but boy, if any team's living on Tulsa time, this team is just taking advantage of everybody's mistakes when they play them. And really, uh, they're going to end up seven, maybe eight wins. And they give them, I mean, it's a great coaching job by this team with very, I wouldn't say inept quarterback play, but lackadaisical. But uh, the, the biggest part here, though, Levis does make a big difference. I mean, he, the, the team just seems to have a lot more juice their play-action passing game is going to be really good with the – you know, it's hard to blitz a running team. I mean, you start blitzing a running team, they pop some of those runs at the line of scrimmage and it's over with. You don't have any run support. So that's that's how the balls live and die. They, they have all yardage plays. That's how they get off the field. And if they get in the third downs, uh, they have a hard time uh, – you know, stopping the passing and giving up almost 330 yards a game passing. Uh, that's a lot of yards. Brent, are you on Tennessee in this one too? I am just because I think their explosiveness and what they're doing, like the simplicity of their offense right now takes advantage of anything and everything that you do. Like, okay, if you want to do this, all right, we'll do that. And they're able to take advantage of it in different, so many different ways. But like coach said, can, can you know the, the style part? The style part is the conversation. Can Kentucky play that style if Tennessee is the sort of big play onslaught or onslaught early? Like if it's 14 nothing Tennessee, is Kentucky still gonna stick to that and stay within that game plan? Or are they gonna kind of all right, Levis, go do your thing? And also, you know, we've talked about Levis a lot. Like if you're just a, a guy, like okay, you you, you play solid in this game, but like, if you're the guy, like, if you want to be the guy, to me, this is one where he just says, all right, team, running game, and, and if the ball is in my hands at any point, I'm the absolute man in this game, and I'm the best player on the field type deal. Like, I'd, I'd love to see that from him in this game. Yeah, he's going to have to do some things with his legs because uh, Kentucky's pass protection is as close to bad as you could use without saying bad. I mean, I don't know if it's awful or – pitiful or what but they not can't good they cannot protect the passer i mean they're giving up more sacks than 
than uh, Kroger does uh, when they get your groceries out. So, uh, you know, sacking a lot of stuff. But but we've talked a lot about this game, and the one that I can't wait to talk about is the one you're going to talk about next, uh, Dane. So give it to us, General Manager. We'll get there, but I, I do want to mention our friends over at Connor Grading and Landscaping, our lead, our lead sponsor since the beginning of Around the League, and we cannot thank them enough. They've just been such loyal partners to us. We've been talking about Tennessee and its offense with the spacing, and I know a lot of people think when we talk about Connor Grading and Landscaping, you know, I don't have a very big yard. Or maybe I don't have the space to do the things that you need to do to get a, a landscaping company out there. Well, look at some of the work that Connor Grading and Landscaping has done in the gallery page on their website at connorgrading.com. They can do some really cool stuff in some confined spaces and make your yard, no matter the size, look phenomenal. So whether it's some of the railing, some of the earth moving, some of the stonework they can do, you need to check out the folks at Connor Grading and Landscaping and tell them that Around the League from UGASports.com sent you. Mike Connor is uh, our main guy there, that whole team. Uh, they, they love the SEC. They love UGA. You need to support them because they support us. Thanks to Connor Grading and Landscaping. Boom. Let's get to well our – Well done. Well done right you. there, sir. Thank you. Professional broadcaster here. Let's get to our next game here. It is – Brent Ole Miss versus lowly Texas A&M. Uh, Ole Miss having its one loss now at LSU, getting destroyed in the second half, but still a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road against the lowly Aggies coming off of one of the weirdest, strangest games I've ever seen that lost to South Carolina. Yeah, the, the, the number you said, I think, is the most intriguing part about this game is how Vegas thinks this game is going to play out with Ole Miss being just that two and a half point uh, favorite uh, on the road, but they got dominated in the second, like I said, in the second half, absolutely dominated. Jaden Daniels did whatever he wanted to. The running game went away. There was zero QB run game from Ole Miss. Like it was, I was shocked. I mean, I was just sort of shocked at how well that LSU took care of business there. But again, that's playing on the road in the league. You know, you hear Kirby Smart talk about it almost every week or at least every road game about how difficult it is to play on the road in this league. Can Ole Miss at least sort of pick itself back up in this game and then set something up where they can feel good about themselves going into Alabama? Because now LSU is actually in the driver's seat in terms of the West. Like, they control their own destiny. They went out like they're in the SEC championship game. So, you know, it sets up for a big couple of weeks here for both teams. But I, I do think because of just A&M's Massive struggles at one at the most important position in football. Like I, I think that that's always going to hold them back. Yeah, here's the thing about uh, A and M. First of all, uh, they haven't played a home game since September 17th. Uh, they played that neutral site game with uh, Arkansas, and then they played three straight road games and had an open date. So it's going to be nice to get home as long as they can get that crowd into the game. But if it gets negative, then the crowd's going to really get on Jimbo's ass. I think realistically, they got to just understand that you can't run all these RPOs. You can't run all these 9 million different protections and go up to the line of scrimmage, even in your two minute offense and try to be checking off all these protections and all just turn around and hand it. They lined up in I pro left on the goal line three times and ran 57 power, and A-chain took it into the end zone. I mean, when you got better players than the other teams, certain positions, you got to try that once in a while. But they're convinced that they got to throw the ball more than they run it. And I don't know why, 
but uh, that's their reasoning. But they're three and four. So uh, if there's ever been a reason for for me to pick A and M, it's this week because I'm not sold on all this. Told me that all year. Uh, they yeah. proved it the second half. Uh, they haven't played a very difficult schedule. They've done a tremendous job coaching that team. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they really have and gotten them to the brink. But they're they're at the dance. I just don't know if they can take Cinderella home. I really don't. I think they're <laughs> really, really at the crossroads here with a tough road game. A&M, you know, it's like the Alamo. Their backs are to the wall. I mean, everybody in the world's against them. Uh, they got to just close the ranks and and find a way to their their defense is better than South Carolina's. They can, uh, I mean, than uh, excuse me than LSU's. I think in a lot of ways. So they got a good chance of slowing down this Mississippi offense. But uh, if you had to pick a, game, a team to win, you'd go with Ole Miss just because they know how to win. But uh, I think being at home and maybe closing the ranks, they've had to kick some guys off the team. I've never heard of. Three guys get caught smoking weed in the locker room before. But uh, that's unbelievable to me. I mean, maybe some of them have done it before and haven't gotten caught. But uh, if you're on the road and you're smoking weed in the locker room, something's not good there. So uh, maybe that's – is that the true story? Did they get three guys kicked off for smoking weed in the locker room? I I saw the kicked off. I didn't see the reasons behind it, so I don't feel comfortable. Maybe that was just somebody making that up. They probably made it up. I hope nobody takes that to the bank, what I said, but – could that's just got to be inexplicable it just it's it goes to though the like when you have the losing and then that stuff happens it's just you know when it rains it pours kind of deal yes when it rains it pours negativity this disciplinary problems they just add on but uh i guess those guys felt like they needed a little juice to get going there (laughs) williams price i don't know what happened but uh well, on the old, on the Ole Miss side of this, I think we should give ourselves a pat on the back because we pegged this. We said if you load up on Ole Miss's run game and stop it and try to make Jackson Dart beat you and you're willing to lose that way, then fine. And LSU did. And it's not that Jackson Dart was bad, but he, he's just not at the caliber that you need to be to be the guy. Like you're saying, Brent, like you're asking Will Levis to do for Kentucky. Dart's not there yet for Ole Miss. And that old, Ole Miss offense is not quite as dynamic if – that running game is not going. Yeah, and you really like the fact that Daniels is starting to have an out-of-body experience. I mean, the last two games, he's been, you can't nobody in the country is playing any better as far as touchdowns, uh, what he's been able to do, running and passing, finding these receivers, keeping the chains moving on third down. I don't know what they got to do to start the game, though. They're one of the worst starting teams I've ever seen. I'm sure Brent's got the score in the first quarter, but – they whatever they're saying in a dressing room before the game's not working. I mean, the first quarter they're getting the dog beat out of them. I mean, it's ridiculous. But they they're comeback kings. After that, they get rocking. LSU Bama next week. Just watch out. But what's you know from the Ole Miss perspective, they they take care of business here. They escape in some way. They get a win in some way in this game. They now become actually become Alabama fans for that game next week because then it sets up the following week for them that they would con- they then control their own destiny and be able to sort of take the West yeah. still. But I don't think that's going to happen. And for the fans that keep up with this, I mean, head-to-head means a lot because if somebody beats you head-to-head, then they've got to lose twice if you got the same record because, uh, you know, that's, that's what's going to happen with Tennessee and Georgia. If both of them are uh, – I mean, if Kentucky beats Tennessee – 
Tennessee can still be ahead of us if they beat us because they beat us head to head. And I don't see anybody beating Tennessee after Kentucky except Georgia. And I don't see, uh, you know, Georgia can lose to Mississippi State or Kentucky. You never know. But uh, there's a lot of things going to happen here. But this this league, everybody's talking about getting three teams in. I don't know if we're going to get two in because all of a sudden you've got two undefeated teams that are both going to play each other. So now you're down to one. And you got teams around the country that are undefeated. Clemson Tigers had a tremendous win Saturday because they were looking down the tubes and not being in it. But now, I mean, they got to play Notre Dame. Who else they got to play? I mean, they're going to be undefeated. And how do you keep an undefeated Power Five champ conference champion out of the playoffs? Be Your buddy Mac Brown's going to take care of that. He's going to beat him in the ACC championship. Well, maybe he can get there. He's got to beat Pitt and. Uh, Wake Forest, I'm telling you, Wake Forest is Wake. stronger than Ajax, man. They got a good offense, and their defense is playing good, too. Uh, they had a really tough overtime loss to Clemson. Um, Wake Forest or, – or is Wake Forest in the same division as uh, – I think they're on the same side as Clemson. Well, they're, yeah. they're out then because Clemson beat them, so – but yeah, this, I think is you're around the, this is around the SEC, so we're, we'll we'll, <laughs> right, well, I'll wrap this piece of the conversation by saying, Brent, please let Ole Miss be in the running in the SEC West as the Egg Bowl begins because yeah. nothing will make me happier because I'm going to that game on Thanksgiving night. Nothing will make me happier to see Mississippi State try to spoil Ole Miss from getting into either the conference championship or the playoff. That will be phenomenal. I don't know what the defense is. Alabama's running against Mississippi State, but three years now it's like 1,000 to 12 or something like that. I mean, it, it's been in, in embarrassing that, that they have that good offense and can't do anything. Against an Alabama defense, it's not all world, you know. I mean, they just can't score on them. Move ahead to a game that Coach and I previewed on UGA Sports Live here on this channel. So, Brent, we'll let you get the uh, primary word in on Florida versus Georgia in Jacksonville. Uh, I think Coach's comment on Tuesday about Georgia's sort of 1 through 44 being the difference moving forward for the season, I think that's that's this game. Like 1 through 44, over four quarters, Georgia's going to wear them down, I think, unless two things can happen. Unless Georgia or Florida can play at their pace, run the ball, keep it, all those sort of things. And then also Richardson be Superman. Like he has to be for this team to have a chance uh, in this game because of you know, what it is. But I, I don't know that that happens. Like I, I put a number yesterday, like Anthony Richardson's passing grade play action. He's like one, the highest rank, highest grade in the power five, not play action. So just straight dropbacks, lowest in the power five and the difference between the two is the biggest that it's ever, we've ever seen in, in terms of that PFF. So it's definitely feast or famine. I know from like a recruiting perspective, folks follow recruiting like crazy. Uh, and the UGA sports folks that, that do Shamar James and uh, Kamari Wilson, two names that, you know, Georgia was kind of in on at least at, at certain points down the stretch that ended up going to Florida. Those guys are actually playing a lot of snaps now last two weeks. You know, James has played a lot, but, uh, Wilson played more snaps last week than he than he has all season, so you're going to see some different guys uh, for Florida. And that's the other thing for me with George is how healthy are you? How healthy is AJ, AD Mitchell, Jalen Carter? Do they play? Do, do, if they if they play, how how much do they play? Like because you, you need those two guys next week. 
Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. But uh, the, the thing that concerns me as a coach is Florida's O-line is good enough to line up if they're patient. And when you have that extra running threat with a quarterback, it's hard to stop the run. I mean, you, uh, if, they're con- if they really are convinced that that's the best way to win and they're going to run it down after down, uh, we haven't played anybody tried to do that on us. And that's not a real strength of ours to stop and run, particularly without Carter. So uh, we need to jump ahead of these guys, make them play from behind, and put the pressure on uh, on Richardson, like as you said, to throw when everybody knows he's throwing. He's a great athlete, and he's got a lot of good qualities. But we just got to uh, put a little heat on him as far as the score and the pressure of the game. Plus, I look for Bennett for Georgia. You know, he's had two – the first year he was hurt, and then last year he you know, had a couple picks. I just think overall that uh, he's he's due to have a really big breakout game. We talked about Kentucky kind of playing in the mud against Tennessee, slowing that game down, and that's a pretty traditional thing for an underdog to do. Do we think Florida tries to do that against Georgia, limit possessions that Georgia's offense gets? That's the best shot. I mean, you know, they give up way too many big plays on defense and that they can't get in a scoring battle with us. Although they did that against Tennessee and hung in there, but I think our defense is markedly better than Tennessee's. Well, one thing that's not uh, that Tennessee doesn't do better than Georgia, another thing is bourbon. That's because of our friends at ASW Distillery. And I don't even know if that's true, what I said about Tennessee and Georgia bourbon. But what I do know is true is that this particular bourbon in Georgia from ASW Distillery is fantastic. It's the Fiddler bourbon. They've been partners of ours this entire season. And uh, these are people that love UGA. Five of the six founders from ASW Distillery are Georgia graduates. They like to say that they're spirits are distilled by dogs so if you like your bourbon or if you like gin or really a ton of varieties that they have there go to wherever you buy your local spirits and ask them hey do you have some of that bourbon from asw distillery the fiddler the georgia heartwood has been my favorite so far this season and it's really just a phenomenal smooth drink and uh, I think you'll love it because I know that I do. This was one of those products that I-, I had bought long before I got to know anyone over ASW Distillery. And so it was just a natural fit. They like UGA. They like the sports stuff in Georgia. You even see the Chin Music Fiddler here. Well, that was for the Atlanta Braves World Series Championship last year. So maybe we'll get some commemorative something from them for UGA as well. Thanks to ASW Distillery for being a sponsor of Around the League. Let's move on to Arkansas at Auburn. Coach, I really don't know what to do with this game other than both teams kind of need it for morale purposes. Arkansas is a a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road, but this is still an 11 a.m. kickoff in Auburn, and I I don't know how to do analysis on this other to say I think I could see anything happening. Well, Auburn got a little life there where they're running game a couple weeks ago, but uh, they got this – understand that you have no chance to win if they continue to turn the ball over uh, like flap cakes. You know, I mean, they they just really uh, very – they just don't take care of the ball. And uh, when you have that kind of turnover margin, it just puts so much pressure. Plus, their defense against the run is starting to go the other way, which we thought was going to be really good. But Ole Miss will make that happen with anybody the way they run the ball. But – now you got a dual threat quarterback and a great back coming in there. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see, as uh, Brent will point out, this KJ Jefferson with that team compared to without him, it's just a different group. 
but Auburn's got to be licking their chops going against this uh, Arkansas defense, like last in the world in a lot of categories or close to it. I mean, they they really have a hard time. So if I'm a harsing back to the wall, I mean, just line up and run the ball and put Ashford on the corner and make them tackle him, and you got a chance. But it's going to be – I think it's going to be a high-scoring game here unless Auburn turns the ball over. I agree. And I think, like, both teams at least – now, Arkansas did it going out to BYU and getting a win. And then Auburn did it with just sort of actually scoring some points and looking like a competent football team against Ole Miss. And then they both had an off week a week ago. But the thing for with this game, you talked about the running game with Auburn. Coach, do you realize against Ole Miss, that was Tank Bigsby's first 20-carry game of the season. First one. Like, that shouldn't happen. That should happen every game. Dependent, independent of score for them because he's their best player. Uh, but you know, in terms of Arkansas, can they get, get rolling here and, and finish the season strong? They have LSU and Ole Miss at home, Liberty at home. So can they do things and get – and possibly even with the bowl game, get to nine wins? Because I was looking through back through their records. In the last 31 years, so since 1990, they've only had at least nine wins six times. Four under Houston, not two with Petrino. Uh, a couple double-digit win seasons with Petrino. Like for Pittman to be able to get the back-to-back nine-win seasons would be just phenomenal for them. But I, I do think that hopefully, or for our Arkansas's defensive sake, they did a little self-evaluation over the bye week and maybe changed things just a little bit uh, because it hasn't been that great thus far. But I, I do think Coach is right in terms of this being a high-scoring game. Yeah, I tell you what, Pittman didn't get any breaks with their uh, non-conference schedule this year. Uh, Cincinnati, uh, BYU, and Liberty, BYU and now Liberty. Liberty beat BYU last weekend. Uh, I think uh, Hugh Freeze auditioning for that Auburn job every week. I mean, that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to get that job. So, uh, but we'll see. Uh, I-, I mentioned earlier in the year. I don't think Arkansas. Uh, Sam's a good man, a good coach, a good friend of mine. I mean, he's doing all he can. But with that defense, I don't see him getting to nine wins. I don't see him beating either one of those teams, uh, LSU or Ole Miss. But you never know. Auburn is one in seven in its last eight SEC games. And that one win was the Missouri fluky win that could have really gone either way, that Auburn yeah. was not the better team that day. Yeah, now, before really that cool. – we'll go. Before that, they did beat Ole Miss last year. They did beat Arkansas last year, 38-23 to at Arkansas. So it's just been a really tough road for Brian Harson. It's not going to get easier. Uh, you're right, Brenton Coach. I think you're both right saying KJ Jefferson with Auburn makes a big difference. I actually think that win at BYU was one of the more impressive wins of the last few weeks for the SEC in some of the non-conference games that sneak in here. BYU is not a bad team, and they have a good offense, and Arkansas went out there and scored with them. Sure did, but – I think BYU is showing their true colors here this year. I mean, I mean, just a little bit over 500. But to win out there is a big win for Arkansas, particularly the way they were going, trending the other way, losing the game. So, uh, you never know. You get a little momentum here, and the defense sees that the offense is scoring a lot of points. Maybe they take some chances and cause some turnovers instead of causing big plays for the other team. But very poor defense for Arkansas at this point. You can't say momentum without thinking about Shane Beamer. 
<laughs> the guy who looks surprised every time his team actually wins a football game after it. Uh, and then he says, really, 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 in every answer of his news conference. This is uh, Missouri at South Carolina, 25th ranked South Carolina, now five and two the Gamecocks, Brent, and they are a four-point favorite at home, a four o'clock kickoff time on the SEC network against Missouri. I mean, I mean we talked about it last week, right? If they got somehow got that victory against AM, that the schedule sets up well for them to get to eight, you know, at least eight wins. And I, I coach, have you ever, did you ever watch Varsity Blues, coach? Yeah, you ever see that movie? Watch the, so, yeah. so in, in that movie, you got Bud Kilmer and Mox comes in and, you know, I think it was practice one day. Kilmer, some, we are a running football team. I feel like that's what Beamer did after the Georgia game. We are a running football team. And that's what they've become. Like, take the ball out of Rattler's hands and the, the things that go with it. And, like, you look at Marshawn Lloyd. The first three games, he had 75 yards. Since then, he hasn't had less than 72 in any game. Like, he's their best player on offense. Get him the ball. Keep getting him the ball. And they've started doing that, and now they've actually had some success. Yeah, I mean, they got he couldn't ask for a better start last week. 17 nothing with, like, 10 minutes to go in the first quarter, and everybody's on fire there at Williams-Brice. I mean – Turn the opening kickoff and then get a. I mean, the, the guy's walking up to the center and he snaps the ball. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen that coach like that? That happened like that and it lands in the defense's lap. That was amazing. I mean, it was just, and it could have been, it could have had 21, just had some bad play calls down there on that other other one that they had. But uh, the, the thing you got to do is give the coaches, the players, everybody at South Carolina because they're undermanned. I mean, I, I mean, they've beaten Kentucky. I don't know how they did that. And now A&M, just like last year, they beat Auburn and Florida. And before he knew it, they went on and beat North Carolina in the bowl game, put that guy back at quarterback and ran the Wildcat. So good job by Beamer. I mean, he's he's pulling all the right strings, and I don't know how it's going to keep going. But uh, he's either going to be really good there or he's going to be an Ed Ogeron, you know, one-hit wonder there. And, uh, fizzle out pretty quick because they, they got to get some players. They just can't keep winning these games when the other team screws it up. But he's doing all the right things at this point. And I, I agree. I, I would keep the, I would tell Rattler, do not throw the ball unless I tell you to. I mean, you can't <laughs> check off to a pass. You can't think you can throw a pass. The only time you throw one is if the guy is, uh, it's second and one, maybe. I mean, He's just terrible right now. I mean, he, he I, I hate that for the kid because he's a better player than that, but he's had a terrible year. I mean, you know, he's gone from being a high draft choice to being going to have a hard time playing in the arena league. And let's talk about Missouri for a second here too, because four turnovers against Vandy, three of them fumbles, zero second half points. Missouri held on for dear life in that yes, game. They did to avoid a comeback did. from the Commodores. Yeah, if yeah. I'm that defensive coordinator at Missouri, I'm gonna tell the, the offensive coordinator who is the head coach. I said, You can fire my ass if you want to, but let me tell you something. We can stop these other teams. If you just go out there and don't turn the ball over, we're gonna have a good chance to beat South Carolina because our defense is playing lights out. And uh, we're playing, you know, we're, we're holding the fire for you here. I mean, you couldn't score against Georgia when we had all that field position. And, you know, I mean, it's been like that all year. The offense, who the head coach is running, is uh, can't play dead in a Western movie. I mean, they're terrible. And uh, But they're turning the ball over. And uh, 
part of this show is not to be too critical, and I have been the last couple minutes here, but I haven't been on the Eli bandwagon for a long time because I think he really doesn't coach the game as a head coach. He coaches the offensive coordinator. you got to understand, we're not Appalachian State or Boise State or NC State where he had all this firepower. You know, we got to win on defense and kicking game. we got a great kicker. Let's play around it. We get the ball in the red zone. Let's play for field goals. Uh, they can beat South Carolina. I mean, I think one through 44, like we talk about, they're close to South Carolina. And But if they go in there and try to see how many points they can score, South Carolina's going to whip their butt. You start doing the hot seat check around the league, and Missouri's right there at the top of it. <laughs> and they don't have the Jimbo-style buyout. So not not quite as hard to get drunk with that. Yeah, you got that new AD, that lady AD. I mean, she's already fired a basketball coach. She's sitting right, right there with the electric chair. She's ready to rock and get her own guy in there if they don't get going. Because, hey, let's look at it like this. I mean, you're in the SEC. You got to compete. You're in the SEC East. You got two teams ranked in the top five. You got Billy Napier coming on strong. What are you going to do, Mizzou, to get back in the hunt? And uh, all of a sudden, South Carolina hired a guy, and they're they're rolling too. Uh, Kentucky has had ten year run. I mean, Missouri has uh, got to make some kind of move, uh, either on the field or off the field, to to get more competitive because it should be they should be in the top four or five in East, don't you think, Brent? I mean, you would think so. I mean, you would think in the accent. I mean, they obviously don't have the recruiting base that some of the other teams that are competing against do. But historically, like you look back at that program, it's been an eight, nine win and an occasional, you know, pop season here and there type team. And but they usually have a great defensive line and good skill players. Like that's historically what Missouri is. Yep. Yeah, and I coach there, and I know uh, you got Kansas City and Missouri and, and St. Louis are two really good metropolitan area high school football. And you got those country boys throughout the state that that always want to go to Missouri, particularly a lot of those linemen. So, But you can't be losing them to Illinois and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and, and these people coming in there and getting these players and expect to win. They finally got Luther Burton last year, and they got him the ball a little bit last week. But uh, yeah. uh, Missouri typically – uh, from Dan Devine, Don Ferro, all over the years, uh, Gary Pinkle has been right there. I mean, they, they they won the conference two two times, played for the SEC championship twice when they first got in the league. So uh, they they they've always had when they're really good though. Beside the D line, they've had a quarterback that can make the difference. Uh, you go back to Drew Locke when he was playing there; they were pretty good. Uh, you, you go back to that uh, shorter guy that, uh, you know, is doing TV for NFL now was, was a good quarterback. I mean, I just I just think Missouri should, should be doing a lot better than they are. Well, this has been Around the League from UGASports.com. Going to be a loaded week next week when we talk, guys, because we'll have the Tennessee-Georgia game. We'll have Auburn and Mississippi State. Florida A&M may be the dumpster fire bowl. We will see what that turns out to be. And then Alabama-LSU. And then, as I mentioned, a little sneaky Liberty-Arkansas action 
in the middle of it for next week. So we'll have that then. We thank you for watching and listening to Around the League from UGASports.com. It's presented by Connor Grading and Landscaping and ASW Distillery. Please support them because they really do a good job of supporting us where we can do this show for you and talk about all the games in the league. For Jim Donnan and Brent Rollins, I'm Dane Young. We'll see you next week.